Welcome to People's Church radio program. If you find this broadcast to be helpful, please let us know. You can call us at 780-539-0572 or email mail at peopleschurchgp.com. Well, I think most of you have already been watching the news probably a lot this week and uh, the ever-changing, quickly-changing world that we live in. Here's what it tends to make me feel like. See if you feel the same, you know? Sometimes it makes me feel very powerless. I want to see change. I want to see things stopped. I want to see other things started. And you just feel like, what do you have to give in this? What can you do? What can you actually do? Where's, where are we as Christians to find the power to actually deal with this? Now, a lot of times, I'll just state a few, I think, things that we're probably quite familiar with, is we tend, we tend as people, not just as Christians, but just as people, to pull back when we feel powerless. We pull back into little tighter corners. We just make the closets a little bit tighter, okay? We, we, uh, we don't stay out there. We, we uh, don't usually advance. It's, it's, it's when we feel powerless that we want to kind of go into the retreat and find the safest place until we feel like we have control of whatever situations make us feel powerless. Now in life, you and I also know, a lot of things come that are like an invasion. And they make us feel powerless also. How many times, if you've lived any length of time, have you experienced that sense and that feeling of what do I do here? What do I do now? Might be a health thing, could be financial, could be family, could be any kind of thing in our life that comes and it's like, what do I do? A new challenge is so far ahead of you that it's like, how can I do this? Well, God does give us a starting point. And it's actually really clear. And it's for us to learn how to employ this in the best possible ways in our life. So I really want to talk to you about prayer today. But I want you to have fresh ears because you might hear some things today you haven't heard about prayer before and some things you need to hear about prayer. When we think of prayer, most of us, if we're coming from any kind of traditional background, are usually have pretty tight borders around the experience of prayer. If you're new to the faith, you're kind of on, I don't even know how to do that. I don't know what that looks like. Let me give you a scripture that's probably one of the most challenging scriptures and also maybe been used in wrong ways, but we're gonna take a look at this one to start off with today. In Mark eleven twenty four, Jesus said this. Therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you shall have them. This particular verse seems to be addressing the faith for miracles. But I think if you really want to get a handle on faith, you have to take this verse and look at it a little bit differently. I don't think it's so much the faith of miracles. I think it's the miracle of faith. 
Faith in itself is the greatest miracle. To have it, to practice it, to live it. Faith that can change your approach to any given thing in life gives you a response all of the time. Faith that empowers your life from a source that isn't resonant within you. Faith that will keep hope in your life in the midst of the most hopeless and dark situations. The miracle of faith. And so we're going to take a look at that and bring that together in prayer. Now this particular scripture gives us some very important pointers about prayer. One of the first things that I want you to notice is that it gives a definite object. It says, what things you desire. He's talking about being specific, knowing exactly what the object does of your prayers. A lot of times, a lot of the prayers that go up, I think, from our lips are so just words. We just kind of go through a menagerie of things, and oh yeah, and yeah, and this, rather than actually target what we really want. You know, sometimes it's hard to discover what you really want. Do you know when you start to figure that out? When you look at a big menu at a restaurant. How many find it really easy to come to a decision on a menu at a restaurant that has 100 items? Okay, it's just, yep, that's what I want. My wife, she could read for two hours at a restaurant. Which do you think is the best? Coming to a determination, defining an objective, is not as easy for most of us as we like to think. And yet, prayer, he's saying, this has to be something that you desire. Something that is a clear object of desire. And if you don't get a clear object, you're just kind of praying words. So you have to get definite objects. And then he brings that word, earnest desire. That idea of a deep desire for this. I want this. Now you've wanted things in different degrees throughout the, the, the years. Now right now you may have sort of a, a want for something. It'd be great, I, I want that. You know, and If it happens, that'd be great. And then there's other wants that start to get a little bit more targeted, they're definitive, and they're passionate. I want this. I want this. You know, a lot of times, we're afraid of failure to such an extent, even in a state of faith, that we are so afraid of failure that we don't want to get definitive. We don't want to have too deep a desire because, oh, the disappointment if I don't get it. Have you ever noticed that kids at a young age for Christmas don't seem to worry about disappointment? They're pretty definitive in what they want. They usually are pretty passionate about what they want. God wants you to be very earnest in desire and clear about what you want. And then you'll also notice in the scripts not only what things soever you desire when you pray, he says faith is an absolutely essential quality here. Because he goes on and he says, believe that you receive them. Believe. That's a statement of faith. A realizing of expectation. 
You can't be afraid to let your desires grip your will and your faith because it may not happen. You'll never get it. Your prayer life will never awaken. It's just going to be words. You will not be a passionate prayer. You won't even enjoy prayer. You might do it out of duty, but you won't enjoy it. It's not going to drive it into some kind of really exciting thing in your life that you get an audience with the God of heaven. His ear is turned towards you, and you get to talk to him about what you truly desire. And he sees you waffling on basic things of what you really want, how deeply you really want it. You don't want to really put your faith into it. Prayer. Prayer is not some formal little uh, exercise of a believer to acknowledge God's existence. Prayer is an act of deep and earnest faith. It's something that is clear, it's strong, and our, we really grab it. Now, right now, I know right now in some of your lives, at first you started to pray for some things, but then there was the timelines, and it wasn't happening the way you wanted, or as quickly, or as deeply. And then you kind of backed away from the prayer. That is not what you do. You pray, you pray, you pray in earnestness and with passion and you always go with a firm faith. And then he says, and then you're going to receive them. You shall receive them. We often ramble. Don't ramble. Think through. Prepare. Even today, an exercise you could do is to think through, what do I really want here? Go to an area of your life that you know, if you really bit it, you would, you, that, that you could go for this. You really do want it. But you're afraid to really launch your faith into it for whatever fearful reason. Today would be a great day for you to not ramble about in your prayers but to be very specific and passionate and earnest and exploy, employing the faith and having a realizing expectation, saying this is going to be something I am expecting and I will pray until he answers. How do you come up with these clear objectives? You have to consider and you have to do self-examination. You, almost, you just almost have to have a meditation before you pray. A meditation that's looking at, at yourself and saying, do I really want to exercise faith here? Not just a moment of prayer. I mean, if I, am I really willing to exercise faith here? So what is your petition? What is your request? How specific could you get? I want that child to finally turn their life to you, God. They have walked far enough, long enough, and it's time. So I'm asking your Holy Spirit to begin to work and bring them back now, Lord. In this day, in this moment, I'm speaking to their condition. And I'm saying, oh God, I can't tolerate this anymore. I want you to enact change here. Definite, passionate, clear, not rambling. That's what I want.
Prayer, you need to actually maybe have some meditation before you pray and then pray it. You know, in everything else in life, you have a plan. You know that. Everything else you do in life has a plan. When you go to the shopping, uh, you know, uh, you pretty much have, no, better not say that one. That's not a good. <laughs> you had a plan when you got in your car. You didn't get in your car this morning and say, oh, well, where should we go? You got a plan. You have a plan for most things in life. This is the same kind of thing. It's building a plan for prayer to be clear, to be something that you put your full earnestness and passion in and your full faith and expectation. You know, you're gonna find it more helpful to your prayers in every possible way. It will turn the light bulb on in your prayer life if you have some objects that you're actually aiming at. Just aim it. And it's going to wake up your prayer life. Don't be afraid of being too passionate or earnest in your prayers. Go to your closet, Jesus said. And he said, you talk to me from your heart. We're going to go through, in a moment, six prayers that are actually in the Lord's Prayer. The Lord's Prayer is made up of six prayers. Prayer needs to come specifically there's got to have that real aim to it. There's got to be passion to it. And you must employ your faith towards it. You don't play with prayer. Prayer is not just a little casual outing with God. Prayer is where you get to step into the throne room of heaven, literally. And he has welcomed you there and given you opportunity to talk to him. Name persons that you're praying for. Name things you're praying for. Take a straight aim at the object of your prayers. And you're going to find that the weariness and dullness of prayer will go away. You're going to find you're, now that you're naming and getting specific, because those are where your passion of your heart is, it's going to start to rise in you. That earnest desire is absolutely crucial. You know, when we ask the Lord coolly for anything, and it doesn't really, we're not passionate about it, we just do it, in a sense, we are actually stopping his hand and restraining him because we're pretending that we're seeking. See, prayer is not just a flowery speech. Prayer is engaged with your real living. It's, I'll tell you right now, there's a, there's a lot more Ukrainians on their knees praying and Russians in earnestness. What is it that brings that about? Specific, go into the throne room that they've got and God being there to hear. Your soul has to become almost possessed with the value of the object you're praying for. I want this so bad. God, I'm fully engaged. It's like the story that Jesus told about the woman that goes at night and she's knocking on the door uh, of a neighbor and saying, I need you to give me some bread because I've had visitors come and it's midnight. They don't want to answer the door. But because of her persistence, finally the master comes and opens the door. 
and gives her three loaves of bread. There's an old story told about uh, in, in King George I's reign. There was a couple noble ladies. Their husbands were condemned, though, to die. And they were close to their execution. And when, they, when they, uh, these ladies came to him and they made pleas for their pardon, and uh, he just kind of got really rude with them and just kind of had them actually dragged out. They just kept on, though, coming. They just kept on pushing. Now, here's, here's, here's the end of this story. He still executed their husbands. What was the means of their petition? What was so great about, don't you see the passion and the love and the, and the exhorting of that love in their heart? that they are employing themselves in the things that they want the most? You don't employ yourself in the things you want the most because you know God's going to absolutely give that to me the way I'm asking, how I'm asking, when I, when I, get, when I want it. He's just going to be under the control of my petition. No, he wants you to enact these things because it matters to you. And thereby God is able to stir when somebody learns how to pray this way. God can stir their hearts with his will. Because now their hearts are responsive to passion and to those things that matter. And so God can stir their hearts and say, I'm putting this on your heart. I'm laying this on your heart. My mom used to say that burdens laid on my heart. And she was a prayer. And and, and certain things would come and she'd pray. She'd just go to her knees or her room and shut out all of my rude brothers and, (laughs) and pray. See, God wants to direct his will, but he doesn't direct his will through you in a cold sense. He directs his will through through the passion of your heart. What do you care about? Because what you're caring about, God can then begin to work with. And he can match up what he cares about and what you care about. You gotta have such a a desire for the thing that you want that you're not gonna actually get off of your knees until you know you've got some kind of, uh, of, uh, of submission to his divine will that you have come to, that you're saying, God, now I can walk away. I have petitioned you. I have come from my heart. I have put it out there. Now I can just get up off my knees and leave this one now. You're walking into a throne room where angels veil their faces. They do. Angels will cover their faces in the presence of God. You get to walk in. And you walk in and say, yeah, hey, how's it going, big buddy? It's not the words, it's the attitude. You get to walk into a throne room where there is absolute power and absolute grace and absolute joy and you get to come into that and to petition and to say, here is what matters to me. 
I don't know about you, but that's kind of a little bit awe-inspiring to think that my prayers are going to a God where the angels are covering their faces because of his greatness. You've got to have clear objectives. You're going to see that as we go through six prayers in just a, a minute here. There was a man by the name of John Bradford. He had a peculiar skill or art in prayer. When he was asked for a secret, he said, when I know what I want, I always stay on that prayer until I feel that I have pleaded it with God. And until God and I have had dealings with each other upon it, I never go on to another petition till I have gone through that first. Well, he's saying, I'm not going through 10 things. Here's what I want. Being passionate about 10 things is never the same as being passionate about that one thing that's on your heart. So he waited until he had fully petitioned on the one thing that was really there and he was passionate about and he felt that he had pleaded it with God and once he got to that point, okay. David, King David, was being judged and the young son that first was conceived in Bathsheba's womb is dying. He goes before God. And he is fasting and praying and making such a passionate appeal that the servants that were his personal attendants were very concerned for him. They were thinking, man, he's lost it. Boy, he's just, he's just really out there right now. And they saw the passion of the prayers as he was calling on God to spare this child. The child wasn't spared. The child died. And David notices the demeanor change in his servants and he says to them, the child has died. They didn't want to tell him. They didn't know what he'd do. The child has died. David then gets up. He washes himself. He goes and he eats. And then the servants, his personal servants say, we don't get it. Before the child died, you were in agony and prayer. But after the child has perished, here you are, cleaned up, eating, moving forward. What, what is going on? And David just said, while the child was alive, there was still a chance that God would hear my prayer. Now that he is gone, I cannot bring him to me, but I will go to him. What's the story saying? Very simply, David understood passion and he understood that God responded for passion. His passion wasn't for one answer. His passion was for God, that he could go there and he passionately brought what was on his heart and he knew God that he could, God might. Most of you know the Lord's Prayer, I'm sure, probably word for word. If you look at the Lord's Prayer, there's clear, sharp outlines that are in the Lord's Prayer. There are just certain defined mercies that are in this prayer. And they do not run into one another. They stand alone. 
And yet when that prayer is prayed, often it's prayed in this monotone, just kind of join all the phrases together. When in actuality, Jesus was teaching us something about prayer that was really important. He was saying, this, are, this is, you get definitive, you pray this, and then you pray this, and then you can pray this. These are certain prayers that he gave us. Let's take a quick look at them. Prayer equals power, folks. There are six prayers in this. Just skip through to the first outline blank on the prayer of connection. The prayer of connection is the first prayer. Listen to the first phrase. Our Father, which art in heaven. Just a prayer of connection, relationship. This is something right away for all of us to renew or refresh or learn for the first time to know that God is saying, I want you to pray out of connection with heaven with me. And the phrase, our father, is absolutely critical. It's saying, I'm connected to you. And more importantly, you, father, are connected to me. Because that word, our, our father, which art in heaven, more or less. I'm going to a whole different place. This isn't going to find an answer at a counselor's office or a lawyer's office or an accountant's office or some presidential office. I'm going to the God of heaven. I'm going to a throne room where the angels cover their face and I get to say to him, hey, Father, the angels can't say that to him. Our Father, which art in heaven. When you start getting that understanding of that particular prayer, then you start to learn that you can now just have prayer times that just focus on how much God loves you. Because this is about his love. This is about how much God loves you. You just can think about how much God loves me. Okay, let's just do a little mental math here right now, a little emotional math maybe, where you would take some of the things on your list that you wouldn't be proud of. And then let's take on the other side of the column God's love for you specifically. Do you know that anything on that list that you would have that you're not proud of doesn't affect anything on this side of the column? God's love is exactly what it is in the past, what it is today, and what it will be in the future. You are loved by God. Jesus' coming is the greatest statement of God's love for you. So all of us can pray this prayer if we understand that he is our father. I mean, if you've received Jesus Christ as your savior, you're a follower of Christ, this is Jesus' teaching. He's saying you can pray this. Our father, because I, Lord, have had my name written in the Lamb's book of life by the, by the blood of Christ, which has cleansed my life. I've received the work of the cross in my life. I am a saved person from my sins. I, Lord, am a Christian that has the right to come into the throne room and say, Father, I need heaven right now. 
and I can just enjoy the love that God has for me. Because that's the foundational prayer for every other thing that's going to come, the other five prayers to follow. The prayer of connection. If you've never prayed the prayer of connection originally, even to receive Christ, you need to receive Christ. That's the only thing that gives you the right. You do not give yourself the right to walk into the throne room of God. You have no inherent right to the throne room of God. It's only by the blood of his son that we have the right to walk into the throne room of God. Because he took his own blood, we learn in the scriptures, after he rose from the dead and he took it to the throne room of God and he put his own blood on the mercy seat in heaven. And that means that you and I have received the right to walk in to the Lord's God Almighty's throne room because his son's blood is there witnessing that you are his you need to receive Jesus Christ. That gives you the right to walk into that throne room. You don't want God to just be the father of creation that you're a part of. You want God to be the father of the new creation that he can bring into your heart that's eternal, that brings eternal life into you because of his son, Jesus Christ. The prayer of connection. But once you've prayed that, Christian, you may have been walking with God for decades, but you've forgotten this incredible right, this incredible blessing to walk in where the mercy seat still speaks and you can walk in with connection. Him with you, that's the big connection. He says, come to me, come, come. Our Father which art in heaven. And then he says, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is the prayer of surrender. Not only have I received eternal salvation, but I'm praying a prayer that says, I'm here on earth with a purpose. I'm not here by accident. I'm not here just to breathe. I want to offer everything I've got for the purpose of God for today. So Father, today as I pray this prayer of surrender today, I want this to be a day that your will that exists in heaven is somehow done in this planet, in my family, my place of work, my community, my exchanges with people today, or in the decisions that I make on my stewarding in life. Lord, I want that to be representative today on this earth. Offer all my life. Christians, you do this all the time. You must do this all the time. It's not a one-time offering. This is prayer to be prayed on a regular basis. I'm offering. I'm offering my whole self here. I'm here for my family. I'm here for you. I'm here for your purpose. I'm in this business for your purpose. I have the skills that you gave me for this purpose. I have the opportunities that you placed me in this land with and that you've given me through my family and that you've given me, Lord, through your plan. And I stand in purpose here today. And it, purpose is simple. It's to bring the will of heaven where it's done into earth. And I'm the channel for that. And it starts in a prayer of surrender. Maybe you're facing a place in your life right now where there's a lot of hopelessness and you're not feeling very empowered. A 
I'll tell you what the problem is. It's not the situation. It's you have to surrender. And you don't maybe want to surrender. You have to admit, I can't change this. I can't do all this. I need your power. I can't even forgive this person. I need your power. I can't love like that. I need your power. I can't take that kind of risk. I need your power. I can't. Oftentimes, we stumble at the prayer of surrender. Our souls are safe because of God's grace in our eternal life. But our effect on this planet and all of the different roles and things that we're called to is not there. You want revival? You can't have revival without personal surrender on the placement of every believer. You matter to the health of the church of Christ in this whole city and this whole region and in the world. Starts with that prayer of surrender. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's not praying it out there somewhere. It's praying it and saying, Father, I'm standing here in the most holy place and saying, I surrender. Here's the white flag. You've got purpose. I want you to do your will. I know it's perfectly done in heaven, but it's not on this earth, and I want to be part of you bringing it to earth here in my family and wherever, whatever, wherever you feel powerless. Next, give us this day our daily bread. Another distinct prayer. This is the prayer of trust. Prayers of trust are difficult to pray because anxiety and worry is the normal state when we meet these kinds of things in life. When your life is being turned upside down, it is hard to trust. The prayer of trust, though, says, Lord, I thank you I'm blessed with everything that I've got, but frankly, I need your provision daily, and I'm leaning on you for provision you don't start though saying, oh, it's okay, God, I got it for now. And if I ever need you for my daily bread, like I'll call on you. You know what you're missing? Is that every daily bread you've got has been a blessing of God. He's saying here, make this a prayer so that trust reigns in your life, that anxiety doesn't take over, that anxiousness and worry do not dictate everything about your emotional life, your your choices in life, the decisions that can go so wrong because of, of worry and anxiety. I want you to enjoy life because you'll trust me. Don't you see that I am the Lord? And so if you get in touch with that, this should raise your joy, you see, not your anxiety. So even when it comes to your daily bread, would you just pray a prayer of trust? And forgive us our sins as we also forgive those who have sinned against us. The prayer of forgiveness. Forgiveness, why has it got its own place in the Lord's prayer? I mean, it's got a specific place in the Lord's prayer. You don't find that about, you know, uh, much other things. But with forgiveness, it's just dead center in the Lord's prayer. Why is that? Because our lives are filled with offenses, both us offending and us being offended. Because you are such people. That was a joke. And I am such people. 
Have you ever offended anybody this week? Don't raise your hand and don't elbow your husband. Who did you offend this week? That's a good way to start instead of, we're usually clear about who offended us. Okay. Well, this person really offended me this week. I don't even know if they realize it, but they really did. Life is filled with offenses. That's part of life. And so forgiveness gets its own place in the Lord's prayer and saying, here's a special prayer. You've got to have a prayer for forgiveness that you work over and over again. And here's how it works. It says, forgive us our sins as we also forgive those who have sinned against us. He's saying forgiveness prayer is a loop. So, okay, you get offended, all right, so you pray the prayer of forgiveness so that you forgive them because, you see, you want others to forgive you. You want me to forgive you. If I forgive you, you forgive others. Here's a loop. I forgive you, you forgive others. I forgive you, you forgive others. I forgive. You can't break that loop and say, oh, boy, I'm going to have power in prayer. No, because you're not taking out the cleaning solution to clean up that God gave you, to clean up. You're not staying clean and you're starting to have things clog up in your relational life, in your worry life. Anxiety is probably peaking. Fears might be rising. And I'll tell you what the basic issue is, is that more than likely God has been forgiving you and you're not really letting others go. That's really what forgiveness is. It's letting it go. Letting them go. And I don't mean out the door. I mean from your judgment. It's a hard thing. You want power? You want power, real power? You gotta have a prayer of forgiveness. Number five, says lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. It's not that God would say, okay, I'm gonna just actually fill your life with, God doesn't tempt you, the Bible's very clear. It's saying, I want a prayer of protection. I recognize, Lord, that in my life, temptation is going to be a part of my existence. That part of my flesh is always going to be attracted to things that are healthy for me or others that are going to be offensive to you. I know, Lord, that I can easily easily walk into temptation. So I'm asking for your protection. I want you to deliver me from evil. I want you to do it. I don't take on the biggest things in my life that I really don't have control of. I look to you and I say, God, I need you to protect me in temptation. The Bible says that he will make a way for those when you are in temptation. He'll make a way of escape. He's saying there's always this door. There's another way out of this. You can take this door. I will provide that for you. It's a prayer of protection. And when you get serious about having a clean life, instead of responding after sin, this is a prayer before sin. That's where you want to go. You don't want to get a prayer after sin all the time, right? Well, Lord, forgive me again. How about, Lord, today, this temptation towards this or this is always something that's going to come into my life. So here's what I'm asking. I am pre-asking for protection. 
I want you to protect me and make me strong in the face of temptation today and give me the wisdom and the courage to find that door of escape that you promised would be there. Finally, the prayer that says this, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. This is a conclusion of the prayer that really just states the obvious about the whole message of the Lord. He's, he, this whole message is, that, is all about his kingdom, that we've already prayed, your kingdom come, his power and his glory forever. Just saying, you are so far, your ways are not our ways. Your thoughts are so much higher than our thoughts and your ways higher than our ways. You, oh God, you know, you, he spoke to Job. At the, at the end of Job, he gives him about three chapters of, of correction about his sovereignty, that I'm in charge, Job. Don't, you know, where were you when I started to create? Where were you when I laid the foundation of the waters? Where were you, Job? God is saying, I'm above it all. I mean, I'm so far above it all. It's not even close. When we start to get an idea of this, and this is why it's great that that prayer closes that way, is because it puts us into a place where we're left with a focus, not on anything we're praying for ourselves, but a statement of obvious victory, and that's the last prayer. Just victory. I have it, Lord. Thank you. Now, when you start praying this way, you're gonna notice in your life some changes. You're gonna notice the passions start to go up. You're gonna notice that you want to go to prayer. You're gonna notice you don't have to have long prayers because you have meditated even ahead and said, no, this is what I want and I wanna release my passion. I wanna quit holding it back and I wanna really put it into this and not just you know, try and find the safe way to pray this astounding prayer. There is nothing like the force of prayer. Do you understand that it's through the word of God he says that all things were created. That that beautiful scenery that you see, God spoke that into being. In the same way God is speaking to you about prayer and he's saying you're talking to the one that just speaks things into being. You're talking to the one that has this amazing ability to do whatever he wishes Just like Jacob, you can wrestle with me. You can wrestle with me in prayer. You can bring to me what you want. And that's what Jacob did all night long. I'm not leaving until you bless me. Not leaving until you bless me. He knew that next day could be tragic for him and his family. It could be the end of him and his family. And he's praying, God, I need you now. But if I don't believe my prayer to be effective... If I don't believe that my words matter to God, that the condition of my heart and passion matters to God, prayer will continue to be for you just an exercise that you do because you should. But may it cross the line 
and engage all of you and engage you to such an extent as that it astounds you how great it is to talk to God about these things and be specific. A lot of us really have this problem with prayer and that we, we think about, I don't know how to pray. I just can't say the right words. I don't know the right words. Somebody else has to pray. This is so off base for prayer. Prayer is not like that. Let me just quote an old preacher that said this. He said, remember the Lord will not hear you because of the arithmetic of your prayers. He does not count their numbers. He will not hear you because of the rhetoric of your prayers. He does not care for the eloquent language in which they are conveyed. He will not listen to you because of the geometry of your prayers. He does not compute them by their length or by their breadth. He will not regard you because of the music of your prayers. He does not care for sweet voices nor for harmonious periods. Neither will he look at it, uh, neither will he uh, hear you, and he, let me make sure I get it right here, Neither will he look at you because of the logic of your prayers, because they are well arranged and excellently compartmented. But he will hear you and he will measure the amount of blessing he will give you according to the divinity of your prayers. If you can plead the person of Christ, he said, if the Holy Spirit inspires you with zeal and earnestness, the blessings which you shall ask shall surely come to you. He's saying, it's God in your heart. Do you think that the right words really matter when those two things come together? God, you know my heart for this relationship struggle. God, you know my heart for this problem that we've been up against on the economics. God, you know my heart on this issue of health that we are right now experiencing. God, I am coming to you because I want to, I need to, and everything I've got is in it. God, I don't know what my next words out of my mouth will be necessarily, but I know that you're the one that I need to go to, and I'm all in on this. God, I come into you, and I'm expecting you to hear this prayer and to act on this prayer because you're my Father in heaven. Thank you for this throne room that I can come and petition you, oh, great king. And then your heart has arrived in the throne room, not just your words. Let me finish off with a few thoughts on this for you. And then we're gonna, we're gonna pray. Constantine, if you know history, was the emperor of Rome one of the few or the last emperors of Rome? Might even have been the last, but right there. When he had his coin stamp, because that's what they used to do in the Roman Empire, was they take whatever Caesar was there and they take their image and stamp it, it'd be the new coinage. And when he saw that on the coins of the other emperors, their images were in an erect posture, displaying sort of this greatness triumphing is the word. What he did, he was a Christian. He had become a Christian. 
Instead, he ordered that his image should be struck kneeling. So the coins for Constantine. Emperor Constantine was pictured kneeling, and here's why. He said, because that is the way in which I have triumphed. Prayer. You might be feeling powerless about certain situations in your life. We're going to pray for that this morning. We're going to pray for the Ukrainian situation. But what we're going to pray is, we're, we're going to be praying about this like we've been talking about it. We're, we, we're going to believe that God's throne room is open to us because we have been bought by the blood of Jesus Christ. We have every right to come to our Father. We don't even come in like this because we have Christ in us. We come in and the Father, relationship, this connection, we are able to be embraced and we can embrace. And that's the beginning of wonderful prayers of surrender and trust and forgiveness, protection and victory. You're gonna need all of them. That's why the Lord's Prayer is there. Not, not to be something we just say over and over and over. It's something to show us this is this prayer. There's gonna need to be this connection. There needs to be surrender. There needs to be trust. There needs to be forgiveness. There needs to be protection. There needs to be this celebration of who I am, victory. So let's stand together as we pray to close off this service. I want you in your heart of hearts to grab the thing that you're maybe the most fearful to be passionate about because you don't want to put your expectation upon it. You're just afraid of disappointment to that degree. Would you take hold of that in your heart and mind this morning as we close? Maybe it's a relational, economic, I don't care. It really doesn't matter. That is your world. That's where you are. Just take that and let's address our God together. And in this, we're gonna pray in a way that is all of us in on this. So what I want is a response in your heart as I pray, and I'm gonna pray for your, for your powerlessness that you would say, yay, God, I'm in on that. Just in your head, you just, yay, God, I'm there. Yep, I, I'm, yes, amen. Amen is sort of the word. Yep, amen, I'm with that. Amen, yes, I need that, amen. You embrace it and you put your full expectation and passion into this. And let's wake up the passion towards the things that really matter to you. And let's put that together with the God that you matter to. You got it? Here's how you know it. It makes you feel powerless. Let's bow our heads. Father, we are so grateful that we get to stand in your presence. We have your ear. We have your heart. And you're waiting for us to be people of passion with expectations of you. You read all of our hearts mail right now, Lord. 
you see where we have this sense of powerlessness. We want it, but we're almost afraid to engage, oh God, with faith and with passion towards it. We have found ways to kind of walk with it, but not really bring it to you with this full expectation and passion and clarity. God, we need you. We need you to take hold of these things that are being named in our hearts all over this room and online. We need you, Lord, to hear our passionate requests. Father, we are before you, Lord, with absolute expectation that says you hear, you love, and you got the power, and we're asking for it to be exercised on our behalf. Whether it be a child, whether it be a marriage, whether it be something else in family, whether it be something in health, whether it be something in finance, whether it be something in business, whether it be something, Lord, in a hold on our life that we just don't want anymore. It makes us feel powerless. Some form, Lord, that has taken control of our life. Father, we just name it right now in our hearts before you. And we say, God, there is my take it back prayer. Hear it, Lord. Bring an answer to this, Lord. Change this, Lord. Heal this, Lord. And Father, we are going to be calling from our hearts to you with clarity about what right now we have named. We name it, Lord. Just name it. We're going to be bringing this to you, Lord. We want you to know we are passionate about you. We're passionate about prayer and connection with you. And we are passionate about coming to you, Lord, because you're the only one that can really answer these things. And this is the way in which we will triumph from our knees. Father, we also raise some of the crazy world stuff. We pray, oh God, for these two nations that have engaged in this war. We pray, Lord, for the Russian Empire, and we pray for the leader that, God, you will put in their hearts a hook and bring them back into sense and bring them back into peace and bring them back, Lord, to a place where they will step away from the evil that they are doing at this time. Just pull them right back, God, on this. Put restraint in those soldiers. Put it in their hearts. Hold them back. May your voice speak into many of their hearts even this moment, this day. Put restraint there. We pray for the Ukrainian nation. We pray, oh God, that you will give them favor. We thank you, Lord, that the Christian faith has been a hallmark of that nation. And may they look to you in fresh and new and deeper ways right now. 
May you even, Lord, bring about the rising of the gospel even with greater voice and greater intensity to the hearts as they look about themselves and look to you at the same time. I know many of them, Lord, will be on their knees calling out to you. God, I pray for a refreshing upon the Christians that you will keep them, but God, you will use them in the midst of that. Use this evil for good, we pray, in the lives of many people, not just in those nations, but around the world. Wake up this world to you. Work in the, in the, in the hearts and minds of Western leaders to see evil for what it is and to have courage before God and wisdom from God in these days and this hour. We ask that, Lord, that you will now put your full presence into that particular conflict, but that around the world your hand will be displayed in some fashion and way through the testimonies of many people. So in Christ's name, we call upon heaven, the will of heaven, to be exercised on this particular planet now and in that conflict. We thank you that, Lord, at the end of the day, we stand before a God who is God of all heaven. There is nothing above you. And in that, we end with praise, thanksgiving, and a worship. Thank you, Father, you are good. Thank you for listening to our program. If you find this broadcast to be helpful, please let us know. You can call us at 780-539-0572 or email mail at peopleschurchgp.com.